And so in reading today about different Zoom things, it, it had said something along the lines of, if there's a weird, so you've recorded, and if there's a weird little gap, we've all experienced this where there's like the, and then the rest of the sentence comes through. And finally, you can hear what the person said because they were laggy. Um, I read that that gets smoothened right. over automatically. So hopefully that happens. Otherwise, what I can do is just take this file, process it properly, which is a pain in the ass, and then edit it the way I would a normal solo video. But we'll see how it goes, man. Hopefully it clears right. up. So I'm going to guess that well, what you... worst, worst case scenario, I'm always happy to do it again anyways. Yeah, fair enough, man. And I, I'm, I'm hoping to get to a point as convenient as this is, and I do enjoy this, as convenient as this is, I am hoping to get to a point eventually and soon where people can come over because it's actually a really cozy room in here. And yeah. it face-to-face, it, -face, there's a whole different energy, right? I mean, you and oh, I know absolutely. each other very well, but in face-to-face -face would be superior by every estimation. Right. Right. Yo, I think like the next step would be, oh yeah, your network bandwidth is low. It's probably my fault then. Um, but um, I think ideally we could like, <laughs> if we could get like, uh, like, a, like a booth in the corner of like a pub or something with like a really good like directional mic and then, um, do that that i think that would be authentic that would be that would be us man could you imagine okay you've already got me going and we're like five minutes in could you imagine there's it starts as like a novelty act and it's like a it's a like a place of of last resort we go we can't record our internet's garbage we need we need to be face to face and i need a real beer stat and then we get this yeah. booth and then it just the the pub just loves us and then the publicity builds. So there's like this one dedicated booth where these two, it's just all. So every other booth is like your typical booth with a menu and salt and pepper shakers and vinegar or whatever. And then there's one with like lights and proper microphones. Everyone's like, oh, that's the booth. That's the booth. And then everyone looks to see if we're chatting. I'd love that so much, man. It'd be so funny. All right, yo, what we got to do, save up. We'll buy a pub and just make it happen. <laughs> Or, okay, at that point, can't we just run a bit? Like, can't we just own the pub and run it? We have to do that's, this that's podcast I mean. thing. Yo, that's what I'm saying. Like, well, yo, okay, in, um, in town here, there is a pub with a hotel on top for sale for just under three mil. So, yo, save your pennies. <laughs> I'll get right on it. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, um, and then we'll, we'll get the pub. We will wait for the current pub's lease to run out or we'll just be like, yo, we're taking this booth. It's ours. <laughs> and <laughs> squatters yeah, rights squatters yeah, rights exactly. in the, in the, <laughs> like no one else is here no one's claimed this uh you know, close I, this booth and we'll drop your rent by five percent so we go all out we become property developers we become real estate moguls just to sustain one podcast <laughs> yeah but, yeah that's the dream and we we have you know 400 subscribers it's it's they're they're dedicated but it's 400 people worldwide <laughs> Uh, we know we know them all personally right? yeah for sure absolutely like dude who, who do you think my who do you think's been viewing these this isn't you know i don't it's like i'm number fifty-eight thousand on youtube trending um but it's uh it's fun <laughs> it's no fifty-eight thousand is better than like seven billion true true that's actually it's actually extraordinary you were the 58th you were the 58,000 58,000th person, most popular person or most interesting person 
or you know any string of ad related adjectives that has access to internet that is way like statistically you're doing great already and all you've had to do yeah. is start fair enough well because if you think about it i let's get this right 70 million is one percent of the world <laughs> so if i'm fifty-eight thousand, even just out of 70 million i mean i'm i'm known worldwide <laughs> like yeah that's that's more than two canadas or about two canadas yes yes every single person in this country and <laughs> twice dude this is why and i'm glad I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that the internet connection stays stays stable state okay this is non-alcoholic beer i swear it stays stable is because this is exactly the kind of energy you and i have and that this is how we're able to just go for eight and a half hours like <laughs> I, you've heard me say this, and you heard me say this back in May and June, I still can't wrap my head around that afternoon. We're like, okay, we'll pop into one. We'll pop Dude, in I laughed so I laughed so hard um, when you mentioned it to Kote, and that, like, um, I've been turning my brain, I didn't want to Google it, because you can e easily Google which pub that was, but I've been, I've been trying to get it, and I got it. Um, I was thinking the, the pump, but that's in Mississippi. <laughs> no, it's the turf. It's the turf and tap. Right. Um, the turf and tavern but i kept i was also confusing it with the checker which is like around the corner i love okay that one the checker was amazing too because that was i think not the it wasn't the last night we were there but maybe it was the second was like, to lot and i had a big ass bag of change <laughs> <laughs> yeah just ever it was whatever whatever coins remained after a month you're yeah. like i'm let's i'm let's go out on no, the town. that's how i that's how i paid for drinks and like i started buying people drinks because i didn't want to have to carry it home so i was like all right yo count out what you need and uh, lighten my pocket thank you yeah that was a great night i you know what i loved about that night specifically the, at the end i guess it was like the second to last day was at that point we were all very close and we all knew each other very well and we were all comfortable and i and i think about this all the time it was the first prob and and probably only time in my entire life so far you know where i was able to i you all of us you could go from room to room because if you remember the checker has the little courtyard and then like then there's the upstairs terrace and then the inside the inside there's the um the actual bar seating area yeah we had so, yeah sorry cut out a little bit but we had so many people that you could you couldn't walk five feet without bumping into andrew or daniela or you know or whomever and it was really cool. It almost felt like for that evening, we kind of owned the place and it was our yeah. spot. And there are a lot of photos there from yeah. that evening. That was, that was a really, uh, one of good, I, I feel like if it was corners, like that pub's oh, so man. cool because it's like I, multiple buildings and like three alleyways and then like two balconies. <laughs> it, it was cool. I mean, you, you cut out, but I, I was there, so I know I can guess what you said. Um, yeah, man. No, it was a really, it was a really cool spot, and you're right. It did have all these little offshooting uh, places. That's what I think was so cool about it was, and I, when I say it, I mean England, I mean Oxford. There's this, um, and you and I experience this a lot when I go to Europe, and especially Greece. There's, you know, the city seems to have unfolded, and maybe I'm totally ignorant because I don't know enough about England, but. I can speak, you know, in the case of Greece, that the city unfolds in a very organic manner. So mm. 
yeah so driveways and sidewalks and pedestrian pathways um they 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 all ironically they originate organically but they're all very purposeful right so Mm. um likewise or rather by contrast when you're here it's just and you know there are pros and cons to everything but when you're here it's just rectangles just parallel streets and parallel streets and you know so that can be kind of maddening though i imagine the opposite could be too right all these spiraling roads and dead end way like i could see how that might be claustrophobic but i choose the word i I imagine that people who are from places like that probably come here your hair peaks up maybe that's it yeah i hit record this will be a funny place to start (laughs) there we go so I hate, I, sorry, man. I don't know what happened. I, my computer just, uh, I think it might just be that it was trying to do way too much, uh, at, at the same time. Let's just tilt that. Um, it's not the most sophisticated laptop in the world. It gets me, it, you know, it gets me through the day, but, right. um, I think I had it plugged in. I've got the webcam plugged in the microphone plugged in. I feel like it might've just been trying to do too much. So I've unplugged the battery at the very least, let that just kind of happen. Um, Maybe closing Chrome, like everything that, that can help. I'm going to just try to do, but we, that's a good idea. I'm going to do that too. Yeah. It just churns and churns and just, you know, devours bandwidth. It's weird. You'll sit there and you'll be like, okay, well, nothing's happening. Why is my computer slow? And then Chrome will be like, thank you for your firstborn child. (laughs) Um, truly man so it looks like it looks like the file is saved so i think we're in good shape cool all right um nice hat though man thanks man you too where'd you get it (laughs) some guy beside a river some guy beside a river i think it was i want to say five pounds but if if you turned around and told me what's that sounds right yeah you're you're still a little choppy but i don't care because we're gonna have many more recorded chats like this so and i'm by no means a pro let's get that straightened out yeah you know if it's choppy it's completely your fault your unprofessionalism i yeah i I think (laughs) i think it's my lack of preparedness is uh is being picked up by the by the router so i'm clearly emitting signals of my own that are not being interrupted and then the router is telling me to go screw myself. Yeah, maybe maybe next time we do this, I'll make plans. I'll I'll go to my grandmother's who lives like twenty minutes away. She has better internet, so then I'll uh, like hers is actually hardwired. Great, I can picture that. She's delighted to see you. You're like out of the way, Grandma. I've got an interview. <laughs> <laughs> what brings yeah. you around? Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Yo, move, Nana. Get out of here. No. Yeah. She opens the door, you're already past her. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know where we left off, man. I think we were still talking about Oxford. We can um, still chat about we're it. Talking, we're, we're talking about like, the organicness of, um, of, of town. I, what I was saying when, um, when you froze up um, was that like, I feel like for us to go to somewhere like Europe and... Um, mm and go there and, and see the way that things have like just sort of organically developed. And it's like what you were saying, I, I, I imagine that 
when people from there come here, they're like, oh, wow, look, it looks like they like thought about this for at least 45 <laughs> seconds before they built it. So I don't know, like maybe it's just a different, it, like we think of it as charming because we're not used to it. Yeah, and then of course there's always the there's always the possibility that they don't consider it at all, right? I think that, and again, I don't want to stereotype and generalize, and my experience with Europe is limited, um, but just based on anecdotal evidence, my guess would be that they don't. I mean, it. Let me put it this way: exactly our our thinking might be symptomatic of a sort of thinking that just doesn't exist over there, which is. Um, and I get, hear me out, is a kind of thinking geared towards functionality and productivity and, and rigor and, and a regimented kind of, you know, everything must have an, every, everything must scream forth its uh, evident purpose or else be, you know, kind of cast aside. Whereas, you know, you'll see things, I know, again, I, I return to Greece because that's the only thing I really know to, you know, to any great degree, but you'll see things and not only are, not only would it seem to be the case that certain things that are functional and and just part of the fabric of of reality go unquestioned but so too do things that we would regard as useful or as an eyesore or whatever so i'll give an example my grandmother's apartment building in sparta across the street there's this big it's like a cube it's this cubic uh, two-story home, but it has enormously tall uh, ceilings. They, I've, I've never been inside because it's abandoned. My guess would be that, you know, it's only two stories, but it, I, I, each, each ceiling must be at least 11 or 12 feet tall. It's an extremely tall. It might even be more um, because wow. that building, it just happens to be in a place uh, on the edge of town where the mayor lived. And then that wasn't the mayor's house traditionally, but it was another government official. And this is a small town, but nevertheless, that building has fallen into disrepair and, you know, very few people uh, have lived in there probably for decades. It's covered in, in graffiti. It's on my Instagram. If you go through my Instagram and kind of scroll back, I'll send you the pic later today or later tonight, whatever. But the idea behind it is, it would be more expensive and more of a pain in the ass to tear it down than to just leave it there. Mm, if it right. was, if it was like, if it was truly a problem, like kids are going in and falling down and hurting themselves, then maybe, but there isn't this readiness that we have in Toronto, let's say to assess everything and report on everything. I'm sure people over there have said, okay, well, this building is, you know, this is, you know, this building has got to go and da, 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 da. But I clearly they have other priorities. I've been privy and present during conversations where people um, have petitioned government officials to do stuff, and you get the kind of you know from our perspective, charming romantic refusal like ah we'll get to it we'll get to it and then you know forty years go by and there's the building still standing. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, and it's pretty interesting too. Like just in the, I imagine that. It, you know, isn't the first time in a place like that that a building has gone unlived in and then eventually somebody showed up and was like, this is going to be my house. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fix that up and it's going to be my house. And, you know, any old building there, I'm sure there's been periods of time where some of them were uninhabited or whatever. And then somebody came in, fixed it up and made it like they just showed up and were like, oh, that's a usable building. All right, cool. I don't need to build four walls. I might need to fix a couple floors, but at least the walls are done. 
Truly, man. And it's, uh, it really is a gorgeous building, uh, at least from the, you know, from the, what I can see from outside. But I remember looking up online because I was curious to do exactly what you just said, which was what would it cost if I truly wanted to, you know, buy this thing and refurbish it? I think the asking price, and this was in euros, obviously, I think the asking price, because it is for sale. It's not a, so maybe abandoned is the wrong word. Clearly somebody owns it, right? Mm. But, uh, or maybe the city does, or who knows? But the point is, I think the asking price was about 75,000 euros, which is hilarious because that's, that's quite a bit for Sparta, which is a tiny, tiny town. It's only 30,000 people. Uh, well, tiny town when that's your fourth largest municipality or whatever it is. I'm exaggerating, but yeah. um, so anyhow, I mean, for seventy five thousand euros is probably I don't know two and a half, maybe one hundred fifty Canadian, maybe a little more, and that's yeah. expensive for an abandoned kind of broken down little house. But to repair it would probably be another fifty thousand euros. But the point is, you could buy this and thing and make it stunning. And the talk of all the town yeah. for 120, 120,000 euros, whatever that happens to be in Canadian. So, oh, it would be an absolute dream. I've often fantasized about buying the building and then surprising my grandmother one day because, again, she lives across the street and just being like, hey, look, and just, hey, look outside, look outside. And then, you know, in I go or something. It, it, you'd love just the sight of it. It really is inspiring. And it's just a cube, like, it's just a, a, a cubic bunker. Um, but, it, but you know, why, why bother? Greece has enough problems. They don't need to be worried about tearing down buildings that aren't in use. Right. True. Yeah. That's fair. So man, what, uh, what's, what's new from the scouting thing? I, I know that you said that you're busy this weekend and that's why I'm so apologetic because oh, I know that uh, you're very busy. Right. Well, th so this weekend is mostly just house stuff. Like, um, this house has always has a lot of work to do like and it's just my mom and I so like we've got like still got boxes and stuff that we have to go through so that's what I've been doing most of today I woke up way later than I wanted to but mm -hmm. last night going to bed early um was uh was beaten out by finishing Sons of Anarchy so I uh I decided to finish that and then uh went to bed uh, slept in I just I didn't set an alarm and I just woke up at one so it's like okay well that's set the tone for today okay then um sidebarred a lot of the other projects i wanted to do but okay um and then i just kind of spent the day like i have i've always had a lot of clothes so um and i have a smaller closet now um because it's like an old school closet um it's just like a little square so i've when we were moving it was such a quick process that i didn't really have time to actually evaluate the clothes that i have mm. it was it was faster to just get them in a box and get them out than actually take the time to like be like, okay, do I want this blue shirt or this blue shirt? You know, and then yeah, yeah. There. So I just put both blue shirts in a box and got them the hell out. Um, so that was like today, and I still have a little bit more work to do because like as soon as you start opening boxes, everything else gets the hallway's a mess now. My room's in great shape, but the hallway's a mess. So because it's like, oh, these are summer clothes that now that it's October, right. it's just old for like I have a lightweight zip up sweater that's great if you're sitting outside and just want to put a layer on but in the winter it's a waste of closet space so um stuff like that it's leaves are falling and we have huge maple trees um that are easily a couple hundred years old so like there's a lot of leaves 
Oh uh, yeah. Uh, so that's gonna be a thing. I was gonna try to mow the grass, but it's too wet. So like, there's just a lot of like little projects that we have to do, and like we're still you know like arguing over not arguing, but like debating over, okay, should this drawer be the utensils or should it be like the oven mitts or, you know, like stupid shit like that, that ultimately affect your experience of the room. But, you know, we've changed it around so many times that it, you know, it really just becomes a process. Um, but the scouting thing, oh, it's pretty good. Um, it's a little bit weird because of COVID and it's a little bit weird because I don't live um, like in the area of my group anymore. Um, so I have like, I'm really only able to participate sort of in the online stuff that they do, but now, uh, they're able to start kind of doing some outdoor things like going for like a bike hike or a hike or whatever. Um, so, you know, following all the specific rules and everything that go along with that, but I can't participate in those because if I do, it's like a two hour drive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I frankly have too many things to do here um with work and with the house and things that i'm kind of planning for the future um to to really devote to it but aside from that it's it's going pretty good um but i also am involved in like our uh, like in layman's terms basically there's like the region that surrounds mississauga and that's like considered a what they call a council and i'm a voting representative for the whole council that represents like all of the youth in that council so oh that's really cool yeah so good for you thank you thank you um i mean i was acclaimed you're supposed to like be elected but no no one else under the age of 26 um put their name in so i got it by default that's Um, hey man you are well on your way to a successful career of politics exactly right (laughs) um but um yeah so basically like what we do is um, there's been like some politicking back and forth about what this position is actually meant to do, but now like it's um, it's in my opinion been going in a very good direction. I did it last year as well. Um, so everywhere from Mississauga out to I think Burlington and then up to like kind of Holton or like Kitchener Waterloo uh, mm-hmm. or within this or within this council. And um, so basically, like when there's like the the AGM and and other things like that, um, I'm I represent the voice of everybody just like approving those changes and things like that. And the real interesting part of the position is to really like introduce my goal because I won't be able to do it as a youth next year because I'll be 26. So I'm no longer at all a youth in the eyes of, of scouting. Um, and so my goal is to like try to get other youth in the area involved so there isn't just that one person who got like a whisper in their ear to to put in um it'll be a lot more of like people actually being aware of this opportunity and then trying to make the most of it so is it um is it i'm just trying to understand what level of government if it's if it is that first of all is it is it an actual official um body because i'm trying to I'm trying, like, this is ultimately, is it a municipal body? No, no, like, it's just within scouting. So, like, oh, so- I misunderstood. Okay, sorry. I misunderstood that to be uh, something of a commute. Okay, I thought it was. And then it, yeah. well, cr- full credit to, to the scouts then, because it, the way you described it, it sounded as if it was a, a full fledged regional, um, uh, some sort of full fledged regional municipal uh, represent- representative well- body. Well, it, there is. So like within the organization, because it's all across Canada, right? And 
you can even extend to um, like continental regions and like um, like the world organization as well. So like it graduates up. Mm -hmm. um, and then so you have like your group. So let's say like my group in, in Mississauga. Um, and that just consists of like the age groups from I think five to um, 18 and then 18 to 26 is the last one. So that's the one I'm in. Um, and then you're like just adults. So there's those at a local level. And then that expands out to this council that I'm like uh, actively involved in. And then, so the group has like um, kind of like a, like a, uh, a committee, they, they call it a committee. Um, and so you just like, basically the leaders of the age groups get together, kind of like, if you think of it, like a, like an elementary school, they like all the teachers getting together, all the mm -hmm. leaders getting together, like you teach grade one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, but ultimately you're all going to be teaching the same people. So it's like really just coordinating efforts to make sure that every, the whole group is in alignment to what they're giving each kid as they progress through the age groups. That's cool. That's a good, I, that, that's a handy parallel for someone who doesn't know. I, I was only, I was a Cub Scout it's beaver right. than cub correct yeah yeah that's yeah. right um so then, yeah. so then like from your group the groups can then draw on each other through the rest of the council so all of the groups in the council and then and then there's i think 20 there's like 20 something councils across the whole country 26 maybe mm. and then the councils then feed into national and then um, they don't do like provincial or anything um but um yeah, so there, there is a pretty regimented system of like how, let's say, if there's like a complaint, how they travel through um, each level, um, not at the group level, but once you get to councils, there's now there's employees of Scouts Canada, like they're actually paid to do that, that work. Mm -hmm. um, people who run the properties, people who, there's all kinds of stuff. Like there's, um, there's the national office, there's the stores, there's the national office, there's like it, it's actually a pretty like there's a lot of infrastructure involved that's terrific cool. do you um so just to take it down a more philosophical road hmm. um because we've chatted about this before you and i and we chatted about it way back when we met a few years ago but also back in the spring when we chatted um i just and i can't remember what you said so i'd like to ask it again but i know we talked about it what what role do you see two things what role has it played in your life scouts um but but also i'd like to divide that into what role has it played you think for most people generally up until now and then moving forward what do you think the future of 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 scouts looks like because we've gotten to that point and i'm sure we'll get to this if not tonight at some then at some point where we've gotten to a point in our uh, community in our society where for some reason it's uh, it's a crime to just be a boy uh, and then even a man and I'm not entirely sure why that is and I'm a little I, you know I raise an eyebrow at a lot of some of at a lot of the responses that I hear because I just find them to be motivated more by by a dishon I just find it I find those sorts of messages to be uh, promulgated by dishonest actors and it's funny how again not to meander too far but it's funny how despite not having all the information like me right now asking about scouts despite not having all of the information and and no one person can it's amazing how we as people and we can get back to this it's amazing how we as people 
are able to sense when something just doesn't sound right. You can be totally ignorant on a matter and still go, that just doesn't sit right. Like that just doesn't sound like it's even remotely in the realm of possibility for any number of reasons. So this nonsense about men are evil, men are this, and it's like, okay, you can cite statistics to me, but I'm, I could also just come back to you with a hundred thousand other countervailing bits of evidence. And I realize that Scouts Canada is for boys and girls, which is terrific. Obviously, I think that's a wonderful thing. And I think that every person, whatever, who, regardless of who they are, should have a tangible connection to both community involvement and an appreciation and interaction with the natural world. So am I, because I'm, I am totally ignorant on the subject, am I correct in guessing that there's been some sort of spillover of these harmful sort of messages? And has that always been the case? Will, where do you see that going? And maybe I'm completely wrong. I hope I am, but let me know what you think. I'm kind of curious. I wanted to ask you about that. Right, there's a lot of things. So yeah, I'm um, sorry. Well, it's called the loquacious. It's the loquacious law, lad. It, it's not the. <laughs> yeah, you just you you ask more questions and you give answers. That's. <laughs> um, Isn't that is well? That's I'm interviewing you. I should be asking yeah. the questions. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so the first bit. What has it kind of been for me? Um, a lot of things. Um, like at the beginning, like when I was a kid, um, it was really just like a friend group, um, like just like a, I don't know, like any, any recreation, like, like you, you go and you hang out, you play games, you do activities, whatever. Um, and then as you get older, like those activities, you build on those, like it's a pretty, pretty solid skill set that like improves because you like as a beaver, you're doing crafts as a cub, you're doing a little bit of camping and the creativity that comes from the, the crafts, you know, you learn to start using, figuring out how tools work in terms of, like in a philosophical sense, not just like, you know, what does a hammer do or whatever. It's like, oh, okay, I need to drive this tent peg. How did I, you know, and you start, you create that system of thinking about how can I get this tent peg in the ground? Um, similar to when I was a beaver and I had to get glue on this piece of felt, how did I do it? Oh, I got a stick and I like whatever. So then, you, you know, a tent peg isn't far removed from, oh, I'll get a rock and then I'll, I'll tap it down. Um, so like all of that stuff is that build was always um, something that has come up a, a number of times um, for me. Uh, but as I got older, I, the, my scouting uh, activities really take hold for me in like approximately high school um like right before high like junior high and high school is when I like really remember it well as being something that was like really making a difference um because that coincides really well with the time that my parents split up mm. and I found for me that that was a great way um because like when my parents split up um by my own choice I lost um I, I like kind of broke contact with my dad so I never, at that point in time, um, my aunt's husband, like my uncle hadn't like come into our lives yet. So um, I didn't really have like a male influence or like a, a, a male role model to follow. So that's kind of what it became for me. Um, and then it was also in a way uh, of having like, I guess you could think of it as like siblings that were like approximately my age, that we were like going and doing things together as like a form of family with like, of like with then male role models um so it was very much like going like with your brothers I don't have any have any brothers but I that's how I kind of equate it developmentally um thinking mm. it like from a psychology uh, psychological perspective um so for me that was like really important and just kind of like understanding 
like I don't know, like just just male things really in general. And I was very fortunate to have a group that was very um, willing to discuss anything that we like any questions or ideas uh, that we would have had, um, whether it, I don't know, something as like simple as like shaving or um, cooking meals, like just to feed yourself. Um, and when you're camping, you know, you really learn that skill a different way than you would just kind of doing it at home. Um, so like things like that uh, were really big. And I think um, ties in well to kind of what you were um, getting at, like in the later part of your question um, about masculinity in general. Um, I don't, I, I don't think I've really noticed any particular spillover where there's any kind of, I don't know, it's probably an extreme word, but any kind of demonizing uh, on that front. Um, I've, I mean, scouting in general, at least in Canada, in the States, it's a little bit of a different ball game. They've literally only just made it fully co-ed, I think. I think now it is, but. It's yeah, like, I think I heard that just a, maybe a few years ago, yeah. not, not very long. Yeah. And like, even then they had to be like, there was uh, like much more, like even now, like you can't have the boys sleeping with the girls, like in the same enclosure or like the same shelter, but like there, they like couldn't go to things at the same time, like the same events and things like that. Like there was a lot of really weird um, kind of, I don't know, I guess segregation is the word. Um, and so um, scouting, at least in Canada, for me, on my experience, it, it's very um, e equal. Like there isn't, like even if you have like girls in the group, the activities that you're doing and the way that you do it, um, I, I found has actually shaped my opinion on or shaped my perspective of equality and the fact that we're really all just people, like in considering the genders, which you could then apply to any different, um, like two different groups. Well, let me just interject for, and I'll, I promise I'll be as brief as possible. That's just a, a, a useful observation in general. And it's, it's something that, that we need to consider, I think, when we're dealing with these conversations about, you know, group A versus group B versus group C, is to really, and maybe, you know, and what I'm about to say will be criticized as, well, you've never had to consider it. Um, but nevertheless, it's like, how often does the average person uh, oh, I lost my train of thought, but the idea that you would, that you would go about your life thinking about your identity any further than maybe the clothes you're wearing and the things you want to do that day. I'm not completely oblivious to the fact that people encounter situations where all of a sudden yeah. they have a reflection of their outward identity thrust back into their faces. And sometimes in a, in a violent, dangerous, frightening way, obviously not. But it's weird that we would centralize that discussion beyond what I just said a moment ago. Maybe you have to, to fix certain things. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm wrong in that regard. But I too had a wonderful experience on the trip to Greece, which preceded the trip to Oxford we did. And I'll be, it's as simple as this. When I went, very few people went. It was the first time U of T had done it. And they didn't know how many people would sign up. And ultimately, I think it was 12. Uh, there were 11 girls and me. And right. over the course of the six weeks, because it was longer than, than England, but over the course of the six weeks and very quickly into it, it was like, you guys are, I, you guys are friends. You're like sisters. Cause I don't have any sisters. Um, so yeah, I, 
I don't understand the pitting of the sexes against one another. Like, I just, it just drives me crazy. Anyway, I'm sorry to derail you, but. Um, oh, no, I, that's totally fair. But, you know, it, it's the same, I think, to the same end, but a different experience. Like, for me, it was, um, you know, you I, think I am like, listening uh, to you, Eric. I'm just sending a quick text to ask my mother and brother to tone it down a little bit with the music. Oh, I don't okay. hear anything. So. Oh, you can't? Well, that, okay, good. Then then we're fine. So then yeah. my own comment was more distracting than the music that I can kind of hear. <laughs> Come That's on, dude. Go, go ahead. <laughs> um, hey, you um, need to listen. Hey, you're a wonderful guest, but you need to pick up the energy. I, I've been waiting on that air. I know you woke up. You should have all the energy in the world, dude. You woke up 18 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> you've, you've got me thinking it's it's uh it's it's too in it's too inward right now no but you need to think like an idiot which is what i do which is you let your energy precede what it is you want to say so then what comes out is foolish but has a lot of vibrant energy i just don't i just don't want to say the wrong thing and then get like removed you know what i mean that's the <laughs> who's gonna, i'm the remove i'm the host who's gonna remove you no 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 like as we're as we're talking about oh no i'm teasing man i'm teasing yeah no, 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 I'm teasing. But I, same thing with Kote. You'll notice he, I mean, the guy works at a bank, but I didn't go, hey, this is, uh, you know, he's in office 108 in the West Wing. of the, like the... <laughs> Anyway, but I mean, okay. just, you know. Well, I was just going to say, like, my wrapping point was that, mm. like, you know, for me, um, you might think of, I don't know, like, setting up a shelter, cho chopping wood, um, uh, I don't know, uh, chopping wood, you know, whittling things, burning things. Um, you know, you might think of those as traditionally male, but I know plenty of women that do the same thing and with like the same interest in, in you know, we're really, Absolutely. people just kind of entertained by the same stuff. There isn't a, an inherent difference in just the ability to get through the day. I think it's, you know, e or even, I don't know, men doing traditionally female things like, uh, I don't know, uh, baking or something like, you know, I know, just as many guys that through scouting have been introduced to baking because they were like, Oh, I can make bread in the middle of a forest with like the most basic tools and ingredients. And it, you know, kind of really just highlights the fact that there isn't, it doesn't really matter if it's something that, you know, that is a human activity. There isn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be uh, gendered. Um, and so it was just interesting to like, see have, having being exposed to women or just females, in, a tr in something that could be considered stereotypically male, at least from a gender perspective, uh, right. a North American gender perspective, to me it was really eye-opening. <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Okay, yeah, sure. I'm sure most girls aren't into going camping though it's the same way that you know I grew up going. But it, you know, there isn't an inherent difference in their ability to do that. So, mm -hmm. well, I, you make an excellent point. There's a difference between interest and ability. Um, and the beautiful thing about camping, and I actually just went, um, I think it had I gone by the time I spoke with Alex, I don't think so. Anyway, um, I'd actually last weekend, uh, today's Friday, Saturday. So a week ago I was camping, uh, with my girlfriend. I think you, I, I watched something you posted and you mentioned just going camping. So I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe. Oh yeah, it was Tuesday. So I guess I'd already been back anyway. Um, but yeah, I, you know, the beautiful thing, I think that do out camping, especially the beautiful thing about it is it strips everything away from all, from nearly everything artificial. 
if you don't bring a phone or anything electronic uh, and, you, and you really pare it down to the very, very essence of the thing, you've got homo sapiens out in the forest who need to sleep somewhere that it's that's safe from the elements yeah. who need to figure out what to eat who need to who but who also then want to enjoy the environment like these are human universals and to yeah. me it's just fascinating how that's what that's kind of what my point was when i asked about scouts and this whole gendered thing at the very beginning was i regard it to be an insertion on the part of others rather than it being an organic thing that keeps getting brought up it's when people say, oh, when people label a thing, the irony is that people are guilty of the very thing that they're criticizing people for doing. They go, oh, well, you're stereotyping. It's like, but, but isn't that what you're doing when you go and you hunt down an activity and go, that's male, that's female, that's this, that's that. It, it, to me, it's just perplexing. But anyway, it's an, ex it's an incredible experience. And I can tell you from my, own, from my own part that I've been camping many times, but it's been years you know, the previous time before Tuesday or whenever it was, was, it had been years. And it was my girlfriend who was uh, far more versed in, in setting up the tent and, and, and cooking. I can't cook at all. Uh, I've had the benefit of just living at home with, yeah. with parents who, who could do that and spend the time doing so. Well, it's so, funny because like, if you think of like traditional, like I learned to cook with my, you know, ex-parent, um, or example parent, not ex parent. I, you know, with X or Y parent, I guess you could say, mm. um, XX or XY parent, whatever, um, in our kitchen. You now know, you're confusing me. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, like the, one of my parents or my grandparents or whatever, you know, in the kitchen. And generally that's like a typical set of cooking skills. Whereas most of my co cooking ability was gained with like minimal materials. So like I'm huge on using like as few dishes as possible or, uh, you know, I don't worry about, you know, sterilizing each piece in between or whatever. Like I don't cross contaminate. I'm, you know, conscious of that, but you know, like a lot of people are like, oh, I cut this and I can't cut this or this touched the counter. So I can't eat that now or, you know, things like that. Whereas like I learned like, oh, that fell in the dirt, but that's the only steak I have with me. So I'm just going to brush it off and call it a day. Like, it's, I'm sure, I'm sure your, your stomach acid will take care of you yeah, know, right? the specks like, of dirt. So there, you know, it's, it's, I, and I find the thing I find really cool about camping is in your example, it's um, the skills really just come from interest. Um, and, you know, like, okay, sure. Yeah. Maybe if you're like trying to fell a tree, a guy is a better person for the job because compared to the same size female, you're probably stronger in the right places to allow you to do that a little bit better. But at the end of the day, either, either one of you could have done it and it doesn't really, you know, really matter. I know plenty yeah. of, I know plenty of, of female scouters who know more about how to use a rope than I do. And sure. they know how to identify the plants to eat and, you know, stuff like that. And, or, uh, I don't know how to fix a canoe, you know, things like that. It's really just an experience based thing. And it, whatever you do, it, 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 it just highlights again, as I said, it just highlights the fact that there isn't that much difference. It's, you know, just kind of what you've learned to do. Well, I've, um, in the chats we've had, uh, especially in the last six months, let's say, and that has nothing to do with COVID. That just actually has to do with your living situation, moving from one house to the other. Um, you know, you give me the impression, at least, of someone who's definitively the... Um, 
you, you're the one who seem. I mean, I'm biased in this because I only see you and I don't see how your mom is handling stuff at the house. But I, I, I think that just knowing you the way I do for the last few years, and especially in the last six months, I can kind of sense from what you've told me in, in texts and messages or whatever, how you're very much, despite your 1 a.m., 1 p.m. Uh, wake up today, you're very, you're, you, you take a lot of initiative and you're far more, um, del- I'm trying to think of the word, but you're, you're able to, to a far greater degree than me, than I, to handle things in a list. Like, here's what this, here's what needs to be done here. Here's the next thing that needs to be done. And I wonder if going back to the house and, you know, this new space that you're in, do you think that a la camping and being in the outdoors, is it something about the natural environment that, that calls on you to, to be a bit of a taskmaster that actually has a negative connotation, but you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Like I, I, well, just one second. I was just going to ask, like describe if you could, because I've only seen pictures like the house and the actual living environment you're in, because if it's, if it's perhaps sparsely decorated and it's, and it's a functional place to live, which is, which is good. Um, maybe that informs the psyche. You know, if you have plush couches and Ottomans and drapery and, and you're living like a French King from the 18th century, you know, maybe despite whatever temperament you have and how, how conscientious and, and driven you are, you might be, tempted to be a little more luxurious and, and slothful. So do you think that the space, do you think you have a, a kind of a rigorous mind that way? Or like, you know, I, I'm just I think a weird question, uh, but. I think I'm actually, I don't think I could really say yes or no. I think it depends on the very specific um, thing we're talking about. Um, so for me, like. But even that, Eric, you've just, but that, that even that, that distinction you just made kind of bespeaks the, you know, bespeaks your ability to compartmentalize. And, and. Perhaps, perhaps. like, okay, so like here, let me, let me dive into detail a little bit about what I mean, and then we can opine, but um, <laughs> so like, I, I'm known, like when I go camping, I, you know, like, uh you like you said like yeah the list thing that like the way you describe it is actually something I've been making a conscious effort to do in the last little while like my work to do list every day I write it out um, and I, I scratch through things as I as I go um, and that's become I think as I've got older and more responsibility has kind of come about with um, things I've had to do especially especially in the last year uh, last year and a bit um, so like my mom, like when I was growing up, my, I lived with my mom and she took care of basically all the stuff in the house. And my responsibility was the stuff um, outside. And I always liked that because I like being outside. I liked the excuse to be doing something physical. I've always loved mowing the lawn. I've always, I mean, certain tasks I hate, like raking leaves, stuff like that. But <laughs> just the being outside and like doing things outside, I always did like quite a bit to some to some extent. And I think that probably just comes from, you know, being at camp, being in somewhere peaceful, being disconnected from the world and not having to stress about the things until I got home from camp, that kind of stuff. Um, so I think there's there's definitely something there to, to be said about that um, in terms of like, yeah, com- compartmentalizing is a, is a great way to say it too. Like when I, I mentioned earlier that um, I've been doing a lot of work, like today I did a lot of work with like sorting through clothes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of it, a lot of my, my struggle with 
you know, just being um, in a materialist society, but um, with, with closing specifically is that because I do so many different activities, I snowboard, I camp, um, I, I don't know, I go on hikes, I go on canoe trips. I have so many different gear sets or I'm, I'm big into men's fashion a little bit. So, uh, you know, I have so many different gear sets and clothing sets. And I mean, to me, the epitome of the equipment you need to get an activity done right is the clothing that you use. Um, and so, uh, like I have, I've been very selective as I've accrued activities to make sure that I have the right gear for those activities. Um, so like, for example, I was talking to my mom about it. Um, let's say I have, I don't know, a gray hoodie. So I have a gray hoodie that I like to wear out when I'm trying to look good, whether it be to, uh, I don't know, like go, go out for a night or, you know, just, you know, like, I don't, I don't know, like a sweater, a warm over sweatery thing, uh, you know, to look good when I, let's say, go to the bar, but I want to be warm. Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to be fashionable, but then, uh, you know, maybe, especially now at, at this house, um, I have a lot of work to do outside. So I'm going to need another sweater, um, you know, that uh, uh, I can have outside and, uh, and, you know, get dirty and whatever. Um, but then I might also have another sweater to wear in the house because whatever this, you know, I don't want to wear the sweater that I might wear out when I go out, I don't want to wrinkle that up and, you know, wear that out too much. I also don't want to wear my dirty sweater from outside. So now I'm wearing a sweater in the house. Mm. But then I also have, you know, a similar sweater that I'm going to wear camping because it, it's going to smell like campfire. It's going to get pine sap on it. It's, you know, so already just based on the activities that I do, I have five sweaters plus something that I'm going to wear snowboarding because you need thin layers rather than heavy layers because you need to be mobile. And, you know, you don't want to be sweating too much and things like that. Um, and then sweaters for different seasons. And, and so, like, it's a big problem for me to, like, have, uh, you know, the right gear for the, the job. Um, and so, you know, there's things like that, I think, that I compartmentalize. Like, um, my office, I mean, it's currently, um, you know, in, in need of renovation. I want to change the wall color and a couple of things. But in this room, things are pretty plush. I have a massive desk. Um, I've got a bookshelf here full of books. I've got a, a wing back chair. I've got my office chair. Uh, I've got a nice rug, um, bedroom, you know, similar thing. I have a down duvet, um, a wool blanket to go on top of that, you know, a nice queen sized bed, but, um, you know, in the, 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 the room, uh, the living room generally is nice, less, and, and I think my mom thinks the same way too, like, you know, the room that you spend all your time sitting in, you're not going to spend a lot of money on a couch because you're going to wear it out. You want it, you know, decently nice so that it still looks good and, you know, keeps up with the Joneses or whatever. But, you know, if you're going to be, you know, and that's the, the couch that the dog cuddles up on and all that, you don't want to mm. have a nice leather couch. And so, you know, like my family also has been a little bit old school and you have the room that you use regularly and then you have the room that you bring company into, um, you know, like the company room. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's the couch that we don't sit on unless we have guests over and, and, and things like that. Um, and as much as that's been the brunt of many jokes, I think as you've asked your questions, it, like I'm kind of realizing like, yeah, I think this way about a lot of stuff. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of things just, just thinking about it. I have a lot of things that are like, I have like the version I use all the time. And then I have the version of it that I use when I want to be fancy. Like I have, mm. we have like our 
regular mm -hmm. set of mugs like this one, um, you know, that are, is just a big mug and uh, we have a couple of them, use them interchangeably, don't care. But if I want to be nice and, you know, kind of feel a little luxurious, I'll use a mug that's a little more personal, um, you know, stuff like that. So it's funny that you say that because I'm realizing that there are certain things where I'm very practical that I, you know, I don't care about too much about the status of it, but then there's a lot of things where I do care about the status of it. Well, I, I'll just tell you from an outsider's perspective that, and you know, you'll, you'll disagree with this and you'll, you know, you'll think that I'm just uh, trying to, to trying to flatter you, but I'm not. Uh, I, I, let me, let me walk you through my, my understanding of you because we met in England and we actually met in, Toronto and the I'll, for the viewers um, we met in Toronto at Woodsworth and I was late for that briefing on Oxford and what it would be like but I, you know, I came in you were already there but I think he hadn't started talking about what was going on we were all just sitting around and you were chatting with some people and everyone I don't know most people are quiet I've always been surprised surprised one of the louder more outgoing ones it could be a room and I think you and I are the same this way where it can be a room full of strangers but you're extroverted enough to you know it's it's a combination of extroversion but also interest in human beings like the 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 interest in it's like well who are you like let me get past whatever it is you're displaying and that can be a you know pretty off-putting for for most people but obviously I think we were simpatico in that regard so there you were and I don't remember what you were saying, but you were cracking jokes and I was in a foul mood because I was late and I didn't want to be. And I was like, who's this guy? And da, 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 da. I basically in my head conjured up whatever criticisms people could also throw back at me, mm. which was look at this guy being all yappy and blah, blah, blah. Of course, we're exactly the same in that regard as well. But anyway, so what I'm trying to get at is that from that moment on, and then basically for the rest of that month, which is a pretty formative time, uh, formative time, formative I'm always doing this. I'm always throwing out a word and I'm like, does that formative? Yeah. Yeah. In the, thank you. In the, I got, I got a dictionary over there, but, um, but in that formative time, you know, there we were and it was, I would, I would guess that almost everybody had an extremely positive experience and it was novel and it was exciting. So it was interesting to see how everybody, you, you included, moved from the Oxford August uh, energy level to September. And now we're, you know, got the hangover of the, of the trip into the, you know, a bona fide uh, autumn semester and then onward and onward. So through, you know, and watching people's stories and, you know, what's Eric up to, because frankly, and I kind of hinted at this, I think with Alex, if I hadn't been on this trip, likewise, if you hadn't been on this trip or that trip, we wouldn't be chatting right now because we wouldn't have met because we yeah. we were doing different programs and, and that was that. So an important time. And I would track how people were doing and I would see, you know, what's up, how's Eric doing, what's everyone up to. And I would I would watch how people reverted back to their non-vacation side of of things. Yeah. And yeah. what I note, and I would notice in you, and this is completely anecdotal and built on, you know, half-baked thoughts and, <laughs> and, and well, well, there are also memories that are past their half-life, but True. yeah, well, you have, a, well, I thought that you have far more than I do. A, a, again, this ability to compartmentalize and I've encountered you, you know, we've gone out for drinks since then and, and we've chatted a hundred times, 
And I don't know which Eric I'm going to get. And I mean that, I swear to God, I mean that in the best way, because I think that you do what I aspire to do, which is to not let, and again, this is what I said a moment ago, maybe you'll disagree, but to not let the, some sort of superordinate attitude for a day, a week, however long to determine the daily bread kind of decisions that need to be made. Like I become, and we are very similar, but I become absolutely crippled. And for me, if I'm in a foul mood, it's impossible for me to be pragmatic. I think you're a very pragmatic person. And thank you. Well, I mean that. And it's something that I wish I had because I too keep lists, but then I start to go on some fanciful adventure in my head and I'm chasing butterflies. I mean, I'm not a foolish person. I, I work hard when, when the time is right, but to, to do what you do, which is to put things in their place in a very healthy way, at least from an outsider's perspective, is something that I wish I could do because it's, it's vital, especially if you have uh, a creative or imaginative mind the way you and I both do. I mean, we, here we are chatting for hours about things, some, some of it mundane, some of it not, and an ability to find the sophisticated within the mundane. But if you have a mind like that where you cannot stop the flow of words it's i'm just saying it's very impressive that you're able from what i can tell to still have a curious mind but know that okay the you know the the lawn needs to get mowed and and i need to make this drive and you know nana needs this so i got to do that i i'm the king of procrastinating in that regard and i don't know if i'll ever be able to shake it so i'm just well here's to your work ethic Thank you. I just have water right now. But it's of course like you do. Your, your stuff, it's your stuff uh, unflavored. Yeah. You know what? They did a good job with this. It, I'm it not going to actually... lie. The only, the only reason I'm not drinking is because I drank everything that I have to drink. So no, um, that's how it goes. But yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I didn't want to be too saccharine about that, all that. What, what you were saying um, about compartmentalizing, it's definitely, I think um, if you took me little bit like a little while ago I would be a lot I think it's really just been a, a buildup of discipline that I'm still very much working on um, in terms of being able to shut down one thing and be able to focus on this thing um, procrastination has always been a problem for me like I get the most done at the end of the work day the end of the work day is like the best time for me the last 10 hours before a paper is due that's the best time for me to get work done um, you know but like it's and it's stressful every time like the last couple hours of the day I'm like oh my god I have so much I need to do um and I find it's um I don't know I think it's something that I don't really know how to like control yet um but it's really been like something that I've had to work on and um like develop as like a an ability and in a skill set and a a perspective um just with like a lot of things that have like happened in my life that I've had to like really compartmentalize and you know understand that there's a time uh, for this, but I also have this, 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 and this to do. Um, and yeah, you know, I do consider myself a, a bit of a dreamer where I have like an idea, but I don't have a way to actually get it done. Um, and starting to act on things like we, I was saying to you the other day, um, want, I've wanted to do something like what you have going here for a very, very long time. Um, but it's just one of those things that like, I haven't, I've procrastinated on. I just haven't pulled the trigger on it. Um, well, so, I, I, I was just going to say, I, I only benefited from the, from the sort of mental disconnect between actually being in law school um, 
and being home all the time. So with the exception of one class on Thursdays, and even that might change with this upward swing in, in the case numbers, with the exception of that one class, everything is at home. So I get to delude myself into thinking that, oh, I can balance everything because I don't need to drive and commute and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. Oh man. I, I feel that it's so Hon- if, well, I know you're a driver too. Like I, I, I drive all the time. And if yeah. I was still required to drive to school, there'd be no podcast. There, there just wouldn't be. I, because yeah. you know, you know more, you know exactly how it is to have to deal with a commute. It's, it's exhausting. I bet you the vast majority uh, of people's uh, a- the things that ail them, I think, are attributable to news media primarily actually no number two is news media and and the constant venom and and just negative nonsense being poured into our heads through our phones and tvs and laptops and the number one though is is commuting because you know you have everybody is a thinker it's not just me and you who are imaginative people sit and they think and if you give them enough time and the longer the commute is the more they'll think and then the more they'll reflect on the value and the meaningfulness of what it is they're doing. And then if even a small little thing is out of joint, then the whole thing can come crumbling down, which means that it was a rotten structure to begin with. But yeah, I mean, if I was commuting, there'd be no time for this because the commute there, you have to drive and be careful because you need to be a careful driver. Yeah. And then you're exhausted and frustrated even if you're a patient driver, it's, it's exhausting. Then you have your school and then, or work, whatever it may be. You're dead by the time you come home. There's no energy to do anything. So in some kind of perverse sense, I'm getting more done by being home. I mean, I guess that's not that confusing. but Well, I'm, I'm finding for me, actually, having a lot to do at home, um, just with moving and having, a, having seven acres to take care of, like, it's actually been very motivating um, in, in general. I, again, it's still a work in progress mentally, but it's been really motivating to like at the end of a work day, have like more like work to do of a different kind. Like when I was at home um, I, or when I was living in Mississauga, like through high school, through university, like by the time I was done a day of studying or I was done a day at school or I was uh, done a day at work like I didn't want to come home and mow the lawn as much as I enjoy it it was still like a chore that was like a super aggravating thing yeah. to have to do but like now I'll finish work at five o'clock after starting at eight eight thirty some days and then be like all right cool I'll get outside I'll mow the lawn until it's dark out and then I'll do like I don't know I'll get together with like a couple friends and play xbox or I'll read or I'll uh, do I don't know do a little bit of like creative or like recreational work on the computer, like something that I just want to learn about or, or whatever. Um, and, ju- but just having like, I don't know, it's just different. And I don't know if that's maybe because I'm not commuting. I don't know if it's just because I'm in a different environment now that's a little more stimulating with like different jobs to do. Mm. I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe it's just the beauty of the place that I'm in. I, I want to go out and enjoy like the lawn and one of the ways of doing that is seeing every corner of it on the on the lawnmower um you know i I don't know what it is but something about this change for me has been very beneficial just for my own peace of mind and my own ability to uh, stay focused on on the things that i actually need to get done well you seem to be living even just comparatively speaking you seem to be living a far more agrarian life um there's more green 
uh, in your world, which is obviously something you're familiar with as, as a scout leader. And, and it's something yeah. that's just necessary, I think, for a person's health. And it's funny because what happens is uh, I've got Walt Whitman on the mind because my mom bought a beautiful book for, I think it's behind me actually somewhere. Uh, yeah, Walt Whitman Speaks. It's a collection of um, stories that a close friend of his compiled shortly after Whitman's death. So it's a combination of poetry as well as interviews. Uh, kind of like kind of like Bullfinch's uh, mythology in the sense that it's it's the bulk of it is the actual story itself. In this case, uh, the actual poem. But then it's punctuated with anecdotal bits to really bring this mysterious poet to life. And the common trend I've noticed in a lot of Victorian novels, which was a, a huge focus in my English degree, uh, Victorian novels, this with uh, Whitman, and even your own anecdotal experience, and I'm kind of sensing it from what you're saying, is that as a person, male or female, as a person begins to engage with the natural world around them, and, and particularly if that natural world is something that is under their own tutelage, like it's you who's mowing the lawn, it's, no one else will do it except for you. It's kind of a slipping back into a very ancient mode of being that many of us, especially urbanites, are unfamiliar with. And it's so restorative to the soul because it's so much, it's so much more natural to how we ought to be. And the funny side effect of that is, and I've experienced this, again, I have to turn to Greece, but also on those brief camping trips I've had, the more that, I, at least me personally, the more that I have engaged with, my, the, more that, the more that I have prioritized, either consciously or subconsciously, my physical environment, you know, because a vista is just so beautiful that it overcomes me, um, those transcendent moments uh, of experiencing the world around us, the further back in our cares and in our thinking are our fellow human beings. And so, but not in a negative way. It, what happens is it, because I think because everything's being distilled to such a basic fundamental level, people too, if you're, if you're a rural person, if you live in the country, you have a completely different view of human beings than people who live in the city. So mm -hmm. There's, there's almost like a terseness that comes with someone who's so focused on the outer outside world, but it's not a coldness. It's a very functional, and I'll use the word pragmatic again, way of dealing with people and, and, and the environment. And you recognize you're not looking at, you know, Alexander or Eric or whomever, you're looking at homo sapien, you know, on my land. And, and mm. it sounds goofy and I'm, you know what I mean? But like, I, 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 maybe that's kind of what you're experiencing in some sense. I won't put words in your mouth though. Well, here, so let me tell you two things just about all of that and like the, uh, the benefits of that sort of reversal backwards. Um, well, so you seem cal you seem much calmer than even in May and June. And I know that that was a chaotic time, but you seem far more tranquil and at ease than you did even five, six months ago. Well, that's good, I guess. Yeah. Maybe um, you're exhausted, but you don't seem, you actually <laughs> yeah, I seem, I don't know. <laughs> you yeah, seem relaxed I, mean, I don't know i mean i've especially now especially like since i've got here i've been doing a lot a lot a lot of reading of um uh, like philosophical poetry and philosophy and like you know i've been reading uh, aurelius in the last little while I, he i it, I, I would take him to battle like it is the one i'm in that book and i are inseparable i bought i brought it to england yeah 
yeah, it's it's so good. And um, like even do I have it around me. I'm really glad you enjoyed it, and thank you for the bullfinch. Well, I, I, I have to I, get to. I it. haven't, I haven't finished that yet. Um, I'm still, I, I pick it up every once in a while, and I read some more. But, um, yeah, you're welcome. You know, I, I've been really enjoying that as well. Um, but I, so I've been doing a lot of that, and I think a lot of that has like really um, pushed me forward in terms of, uh, I don't know, just my mood and in the way that I, I think about stress and, and things like that, and may, making me a lot more self-aware of things. Um, again, still a work in progress. Like, you know, it's completely different, um, you know, for, for in a day-to-day -day scenario when I actually have stressful things to deal with. Um, but yeah, you know, so it's, 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 it's been a, a, the last little while has been very formative, I think. Um, but just on going back uh, to things like that. Um, so I was talking to my neighbor the other day. There's just like, it's, it's so funny for me to talk about this stuff because like to a Mississaugan ear, this is the weird, like such a weird sentence. But um, so my neighbor is- Is so, that your own Mississaugan ear or to yeah, any- like to my own ear or I'm sure to somebody else from Mississauga, this would just be a weird sentence. But like okay. uh, I was standing um, in my barn yesterday talking to my neighbor who is storing, I think it's like a hundred- five foot bales of straw in our barn so i think oh yeah 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 you it's a shared barn no it's it's my barn but it's beside like his field and um he asked if he could store his straw in it and it's space i'm not using so i was like yeah sure um so there's like fifty thousand pounds of straw in my barn but we're staying oh my god <laughs> yeah dude it's a lot I'll, I'll show you a picture later it's it, and it, it like it's so funny because like this is a perfect example not even what i was gonna say but like to me that it looks so weird. I've, I've driven through the country. I've seen these things on the side of the road in people's fields and whatever. I've sure. never, I've never stood in front of it in my own property and been able to like climb on top of 50,000 pounds of straw. Like I've never had to have somebody tell me, don't let your dog in here alone because sometimes dogs will chase small animals into it and get stuck because they'll like climb up and fall it. Like it's crazy. And, and to wow. my neighbor, this is the most normal thing ever. Or like we were talking about um, light pollution um, because we were just talking about lighting and stuff and how I like, I want to add some lights on timers so that like, my mom comes home late or whatever. She can like navigate to the house, but I also don't want to like screw up light pollution for everybody else. Um, you know, so trying to find that balance. But we were talking about the stars and how like uh, a, a very close friend of mine, his little brother came to my cottage as a kid. Um, and he, it was the first time that kid had ever like stood out like on a dock on a lake in the middle of like, um, like cottage country and saw that level of stars, right? Mm. From living in Mississauga to, to seeing that. And he was mind blown. He was like five years old. He thought we like turned the stars on. He didn't understand what he was seeing. And we had to be like, no, that's what they look like all the time. And my neighbor said like, yo, I've, I've read about kids who grow up like that. And it, it was so funny to like hear this difference in lifestyle, even though, you know, it's the same province, we're really not that far away, but it's, it's completely different. And um, I don't know if I told you about it, but like, you've probably seen the picture that there are a couple of pictures that I took, or that people took. Um, I went on a canoe trip to Algonquin Park a couple of weeks ago. And one of my friends and I were talking afterwards about like, you know, transitioning back into just like daily work and how 
when you're on a canoe trip, like there is so much you need to do every day. Like, you know, if you want to drink water, you have to pump it. You have to filter it. If you want to cook, um, for us, we don't use gas stoves um, because you just have to carry more. So first of all, you've had to carry all your stuff to where you're going or continue to do that every day if that's how you've planned your trip. Your only vehicle is like a, like a canoe. If you need to go to the hospital, you have to wait at least six hours until you're actually at the car and then you're at your cell phone or, and then you have to get in the car and then drive to where there's cell service. So, you know, there's kind of that in the back of your mind. Um, and, you know, so there's, there's all these things that are so focusing on like the moment. If you want to eat, you have to get the food out. You have to chop enough wood to power the little special stove we have. If you want, you know, warmth at night, you have to make sure that there's enough wood chopped up. Um, you know, you have to every couple of days, take your sleeping bag out and air it so that like the moisture from your sweat doesn't get you like, if you know, it's going to be a cold night, you want to make sure that it's dry. If it rained a lot the night before, everything is going to be damp. So you want to set it out in the sun. Um, you know, all these things. And if like, you have to like still do the dishes and while, you know, this person's cooking, this person's doing the dishes, these people are pumping water, this person's chopping wood, you know, so there's a lot of work to do every day. There's like a daily, at least, you know, five hours of work probably um, that needs to be done at some point. And it's completely different. It's way more enjoyable. It doesn't feel like work. Um, you know, or even like just paddling, like it's a lot of, it's, it's really physically taxing to paddle. You, mm -hmm. you still, you got to think because you have to be vigilant to make sure, especially if you're in a river, there's no rocks there. There's, um, you know, not a snapping turtle when you're trying to like wash your face and wash the sweat off or something. Um, you got to think about like your measurements for food and how much water you're going to need. And, you know, am I drinking enough water out in the sun all day? Have I applied sunscreen? Um, and I'm probably making it seem more intense than it is, but at the end of the day, you know, it's still a lot of work and it's how, and you know, you don't, I don't find like, you, I, even if like, I'm tired at the end of a day like that and I'm ready to go to sleep, it's completely different from finishing a day of like work, uh, you know, whether oh, yeah. this job or any of the previous jobs I've had, it's just completely different. It's, it's like, it's a form of like working for yourself just to get yourself through the day. Um, which obviously I wouldn't be able to do without money because I wouldn't be able to afford the gear. I wouldn't be able to afford, which is, which is ironic, right? Because which is ironic. Um, and, and so that was part of our conversation too, but we don't like to talk about that because it really ruins it. But, <laughs> um, you know, so like it, it's a, it's a weird thing, but you know, when you're camping truly, I think everybody needs to do it or, you know, it, and for me, the goal of living in this place now is to introduce more of this into my day to day. Like when, when I'm in Algonquin, I've always loved it. And I used to do it every year, but it's, you know, life gets in the way and we haven't gone in a while, but it's been so great because when you're there or like when I'm just camping and you're disconnected like that, it's so nice to know that like whatever happens in the outside world doesn't matter until you finally get to the car and you finally drive into cell service. No matter what happens, whether it's something good or something bad, it doesn't matter until you're out. Mm -hmm. All you have at that time is the people that you're with, the friendship that you have, whatever disagreements you get into, whatever you know, laughs you have, anything like that. That's all that matters. But it's not a beautiful thing, Eric, that things can not matter until they need to matter which yeah. is supposed which is the way it's supposed to be 
Yeah, it's exactly how stress is supposed to work, right? And well, I'm in sure... fact, I don't think that I don't think that that counts as stress, right? Because stress well, is like st- like long term stress is just an over engagement of short term stress that doesn't go mm. like. I I agree. No, I agree with you. And you know more about psychology than I do, but I would like to use the word strain, like what you described. Or anxiety. Just... Anxiety no, 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 no. and stress, I think, are a good way to think about it. Yeah, no, no, no. Sorry, let me, I'm not being clear. When you were on your trips, let's say, hmm. and you have this paradigmatic view of of the world, because that's what it is. Every day we live, there's this view of what's valuable and what's not, and we have to make choices. So as you're on these uh, portage trips, if it was a portage, I don't know, but yeah, that, uh, that was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you have an entirely, you have an entirely different set of priorities and those priorities will feed your emotional reactions to things. But because it's such a physically, because you're manifesting your being in such a physical way and you get into a beautiful autopilot that we sometimes get into with work, which is unhealthy, ironically, because we're, we're not, it's not conducive to, uh, automatism the way mm. cooking and cleaning and that's why people feel good when they clean their house it's like what did you do it's the same building so to speak mm. but the idea there of course is that uh, that's a kind of fatigue but it's not an exhaustion or an or an overexertion it's like a, it's like a physical tired versus a mental or exactly tired. exactly yeah. and i remember you know you're talking about this kid who's five years old and he's never seen the stars well my dad had the most dramatic i have to imagine um and i've gathered from the stories he shared over the years but the guy's from new york city and then he would go every summer uh as a kid uh, right until his uh, right into adulthood he would go to the little village in greece that my family is from and i'm sure maybe i've mentioned it before but this is also the same village that my grandmother grew up in and so when she's not in sparta she then gets on you know in a cab and it's you know, it's probably only about 20 kilometers away, but the geography of the land is such that, or rather yeah. the topography is such that it's a, an hour drive, even though it's mm. 20 kilometers. It's, it's, it's bizarre. Anyhow, this is a guy coming from New York City who then finds himself in a mountain village of, you know, 100 people. So you're going to see no stars in New York City. And then mm. you're going to see hundreds of thousands up on that yeah. unpolluted village. Uh, mountaintop in the village in <laughs> well like it's it's funny now like even a similar thing like where i live now the only lights are like the lights that somebody has like on their driveway or whatever so that again if they come home they like can you know find their way from their if, if they have an external garage or you know so to keep animals away or something but for the most part like there's no lights and so like now i'm actually in a situation where is your I'm, sleep like, better um i've always used blackout drapes but um i think i don't i Yes, but I don't know if that's because I'm just physically active. Mm. Like, like, you know, instead of going to the gym for three hours, which I've, you know, or a couple, an hour, let's say every day, which I never did, I'm outside doing physical labor for an hour and a half every day. So um, that could be it too. Um, but like, even now I'm at a point like where it, there's a dramatic paradigm, paradigm shift, whereas in the city or like, you know, New York, you're like, oh, wow, full moon. That's so beautiful. Whereas now I'm pissed that there's a full moon because like I can't see the stars because mm. the moon is the brightest thing. Like the other day I walked outside and I was like, what's going on? But the way that the moon was, and because like there was, 
there was like moon with no clouds around it but then like way on the other side of the sky there was clouds so what was happening was the moonlight was getting trapped on those clouds and like back oh yeah yeah everything, which like you would never see in the city first of all but like it was it was like so weird and i'm like wow this is so strange i can't see any stars but it's because the moon is just so intense right now yeah it, it's so weird and i can only imagine what that would be like to be in greece first of all on a mountainside looking at stars for the first time like that'd be unbelievable yeah i i would imagine eric it's not much different let's say than what you're seeing in algonquin on a on a clear night but if you're coming from a city which you know many billions are you know what do you know and you know you we, we read stories i've been reading a lot of lord of the rings um i've been reading a lot of lord of the rings uh, <laughs> Uh, since COVID started, so in March, I picked up the fellowship. And the funny thing is, let me tell you a fun little, you know, you know, one of those icebreaker funny things about me. Every time I've played a video game where I needed to enter a username or whatever, I always went, because sometimes, not sometimes, almost always, every game that I played uh, had a 12 letter character, 12 character, like gamer tag maximum number of letters. About, so yeah. so my, mine was always Mr. J.R.R. Tolkien, which is exactly 12 letters. Okay. And I'm a bit of a hypocrite and a liar because until recently, I'd never actually read the books, which is, a, which I'd read, well, hold on, because I read them on and off and bits and pieces, right? So right. I, I have read, I've read the books, just not in a linear manner. But with COVID, it was like, I, I've, semester's over. And I had a month where I wasn't working and I was also done school. So I had a month. So I started p picking up Lord of the Rings. and. It's amazing to me. I wanted to bring this up with you for a, a number of reasons, and this seems like an appropriate time. It's amazing to me how tiring as a reader it is in my 21st century mindset, in my 21st century urban outlook. Hmm. It's actually exhausting for me to read his descriptions of the lay of the land. And of course, if you know anything about the Lord of the Rings, and of course many people do, this is a journey. So the journey, and not only is it, it's not a state, it's a journey. It's not a stationary event. So every time there's movement, there's a whole new description that's needed. So you understand where the hell they are. Add to that fact that it's a fantasy story and it's a fantasy. So he's got to draw attention to the things that are different. He needs to, yeah, exactly. So he, he does an incredible job, obviously making a very real earthy earthen earthen doing it again but he makes the the hand-to-mouth existence the outdoor experience and simply he just captures what's so magical about the physical world and if you aren't primed for that and you're not used to living in that manner it is impossible to read the Lord of the Rings because he will spend, you know, he'll spend a whole page describing just where they're standing vis-a-vis -vis everything around them. And of yeah. course he has to draw attention to the beauty of the Shire, which is lush and pastoral. And then he has to contrast that with Mordor, which is a barren desolate wasteland. Yeah. And so I have to imagine for a 1950s audience that would have been well, and I'm talking even in England, right? Yeah. It would have been well, far more familiar with natural landscapes. And the English are gardeners anyway, but like 
so, we oh, don't have that. I struggle to read it. Have you have you read Game of Thrones? I've never read it. No. Okay, so when you finish Lord of the Rings, at least read the first Game of Thrones, and I think you'll notice a really cool difference. Lord of the Rings spends a lot of time describing the land, and in Game of Thrones, there's a lot of time spent describing the rooms. Rooms, like, eh? Because most of the story is political. So, yeah, there's... Ah, uh, fair enough. But a lot of the description is, you know, he walked into this guy's office and, you know, this was what was on his desk or, um, you know, mm. he was and it was like this. And I thinking back, I, I could be wrong. Maybe it's just because I've been primed to think this now after a year um, explanation. But I don't like I'm, I'm, I, I'm certain that if you if I went back and read Game of Thrones, the uh, uh, description of landscapes would be way less detailed than the description of like social spaces. That's interesting. And That's really interesting. Game of, Game of Thrones is about political story, not a journey through the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, while well, you're journeying through human hearts and not, you know, the land. Yeah. That's interesting, yeah. man. I just, I feel I'm one of those people. Which is cool considering when they were both written. Yeah, agreed. And and what's interesting to me is I, I never thought I was this sort of person, but I fall squarely into the camp of people that will get bored. So, and I'm, I'm an English major and I'm in law school. I should know how to read and I should know how to appreciate reading. But even still, if I'm not in the right, if I'm not patient enough or in a calm enough mood, I will look for those quotation marks and try to, and try to see what the hell happens next as conveyed through dialogue. And it's like, no, you're doing it all wrong. If that's how you're reading, you're doing it wrong. And this guy, I, I mean, I've never remembered it being such a, a, a painstaking analysis of the, of the physical environment that these characters are traversing. But then there have been a um, hundred thousand scholarly articles about how Tolkien brought the world to life. And in many ways, Middle Earth, was its own character and you have to navigate in and with and around it. And it's, it really is striking. Like I, I do not, I am not in the right frame of mind to read that sort of thing. It's helpful that I know the story, like the back of my hand and the movies were fantastic for that. And the movies actually assist in helping conjure some of the images that he's doing because Peter Jackson clearly nailed it. So when yeah. he's talking about a cleft in the cliffs and down, you know, down below some 15 meters or whatever it is, there's a stream, but is it drinkable water? You know, the sun, like it is, it, it's as if you dropped the man on a, on a foreign planet that resembles earth and he needed to tell the, you know, the crew back home exactly what he saw. It's, it's astonishing. It really, really is. I've never had this much difficulty reading about, you know, snow in the mountains and where they are i'm it's amazing to me i have I'm to reread it scanning my shelf i have um this is kind of a, a bit of a jump but i have a really cool set of game of thrones or uh, sorry lord of the ring i've been meaning to as you search i'll just say i've been meaning to buy this one i saw and it's from a tolkien de uh, devoted sort of fan page or website which means that it's so, go for it's, it originally it was divided into five and that's that's just the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, oh wait. Yeah. Maybe it's five. Um. Yeah, I think so. What's this one? 
it's so funny though. Like it was in perfect condition, but then the book I picked up and read is all, <laughs> is all. I think mine looks up. like that on the front too. But like, oh. like, look, like, yo, literally, it looks like nobody read the others until I got to it and just like messed it all up. Yeah. Which I feel bad about, but, um, yeah, the ring book one, the ring sets out, and so when they when it got more popular, they split it into or they. Uh, clumped them into three so that they could uh, make it more digestible and not have to, you know, print a million, you know, have all a bunch of different releases and everything. Mm-hmm. And, well, it uh, makes perfect sense. It, it, the The actual single volume is a massive tome. And as you were going to hunt for that, those books just there, I was going to say that I found this one uh, leather bound. It's like a crimson red. It's beautiful. And it's, and it's a single volume. So it's got to have, I don't know, it's got to be like, 1500 pages and it's just the lord of the rings well and- I'm, I'm actually just wondering now um if, i grabbed my mic by accident if the um if it was the movies that split it into three because like here it's book one the ring sets out two the ring goes south the treason of isengard the ring goes east the war of the ring the end of the third age mm. but i wonder if that leather bound tome that you've mentioned if it's like um, Bullfinch's mythology, where it's like multiple books in one, I'm, I'm I couldn't tell you, and I think different publishers and editors have done different things with it. But it it I think, uh, yeah, no, I think no, because actually, hold on, I I do recall in the um, in the book itself, Tolkien split it up into book one two okay. and three, and then I think you know people that followed com commentators, uh those who adapted it into movies and plays, whatever, they went by that rubric and decided, okay, well, this is a convenient place to just stop this because I mean, the Lord of the Rings, the fellowship of the ring, that's almost three hours and that's the non extended. Um, and it maps its ending maps neatly onto where the second one, and I'm talking the movies ending actually occurs slightly before the end of fellowship of the ring the book so for instance i'm just saying that there isn't a complete congruence and overlap some of it some some of sorry there isn't a complete one-to-one there is some overlap between the books as he divided them and then how the you know filmmakers have eric i have to run to the bathroom or i'm going to pee myself dude i'm so glad you said that because do you want it? We can, buddy, we can end it right now because we actually have been going for almost two hours if you add up the first portion. And I'm right. happy. How about, how about this? Unless you have somewhere to be, I'm happy to stay on with you. We change shirts, right? And then we, and then we make the second podcast now. Um, you're a wild man and I appreciate <laughs> your energy. And I would have appreciated, I'm just being an ass, but um, you know what, man? I, I actually have not even eaten today i had a bagel i had a bagel 14 hours ago um which is not good so let me how about this i need to use the bathroom i think that we have quite a bit of content here and i didn't do this is the funny thing uh and i'll be quick because i know you got to go as well but with kote i had questions prepared but the webcam was garbage and the audio was garbage on my end in this case, I have the webcam and it, and it looks okay to me. I'm happy with this. And I have the microphone, but I didn't have questions prepared. So we, we did kind of the opposite. So we meandered a bit more, which is fine. 
but I actually did have some targeted questions that I had in mind that I've since lost. And I'd like to, I'd like to end it here. And then I'm sure the second I hang up, I'm going to have things occur to me and let's just reconnect in like a month, man, or sooner, two weeks, whatever. Cause this is very easy for me to set up. And like I said, with zoom, you hit end, it's recorded, you post it. And then there's very little work on my part. That's necessary. Sure. Um, yeah, just let me know. Yeah. I mean, you said that you might have availability tomorrow. I can make something maybe work tomorrow, maybe, but. Yeah, I don't see why not. We could even do a part one, part two. It would, maybe we can do it a little bit shorter. I have no, I don't care. That's the beauty. I'm home. If you you come out with your questions, we can do that and go. Cause I mean, easily we can continue talking about different books we've read and, and go for hours. Yeah. For a podcast, I feel like you need to have a little more structure. Well, that's just the thing. We've got the technical side of things and we lucked out with the second recording because nothing so far is bugged out or, or whatever. So I think we're in good shape in that regard. Um, but let I, I want to walk away with this. I want to have a little bit of dinner because it's 1030 now and I've had nothing. Yeah. And I want uh, things will come to mind. I'd like to write them down. And yes. then next time we can hit the ground running. But I think this was this was good. And I'm, I'm thrilled that you you had the chance to take the time man i'm sorry to end on such an uh, unceremonious kind of note but oh, i know fun. that I'm, like, I'm i'm feeling it too so don't worry <laughs> um i'll, I'll have compartmentalizing that sensation exactly. from probably 20 minutes and being like you know we don't need to worry about it we're gonna finish this out and then go i love it man yeah no we're see great great minds uh love how that makes me sound like i'm time. Yeah. All right, man. Listen, let's reconvene. And I'll tell you what, actually, this is what I'd like to do next time. I can tell you right now what I'd like to do next time. You recommended, I recommended Marcus Aurelius's meditations and you got a kick out of it. And I'm very happy to hear that you've recommended to me and I've got it over there on my shelf. You recommended Bullfinch. Why don't we come up with some ideas just on the, and, uh, and they'll obviously have their offshoots, but I want to talk, I wanted to talk to you about it tonight, but I didn't have a chance to read it in time. Let me come away, like, give me a week. Let me sink my teeth into that. And we're just talking next weekend or, or 10 days from now, which will fly by, as you know. Let me, let me sink my teeth into that. And doubtless, I'll have some things come to mind. And I'd love to share them with you and ask you about it. And then if you have something from, from Aurelius, you let me know and we'll go from there. And that's three hours at least. Sure. Um, with Bullfinch, are you starting at the beginning? Where, where I, should I start? You tell me. I've only been reading Charlemagne. I will read Charlemagne then. Okay, because that—that's what I started. It, it, um, I was thinking about I was thinking about Vikings and um, King Eckbert visit had like previously to the story visits Charlemagne. So I was like, oh, cool! I, I want to learn about this guy. Um, All right, let's do so it there. So let's do Charlemagne. I'll um, read this. I'm almost done. Um, uh, meditations or Emperor's Handbook. Yeah. And um, and then we also we also have the Razor's Edge we can talk about. Dude. Don't get me started on that book. I love that book. It's actually such a simple story, right? But I just love it. I, th- I find it funny how Gatsby-like it is. It's same, like, well, same kind of era, right? I mean... But, like, again, it's about this weird, whimsical third-party character who's, like, kind of part of the story, but also not really part of the story. Yeah. Um, who's, like, really interesting for different reasons to an external eye. I was going to call it social commentary, but it's not even that. It's, like social commentary is at a macro level obviously um but this is this is social commentary so to speak but at such a micro level you're talking about six people and you're tracing their lives over 10 years let's say and it just it's incredible 
Oh, my girlfriend's calling. Maybe that's my cue. She's going to get... I told... we. I was like, oh, I'll be, I'm on the phone with Eric. It'll be about 45 minutes, two hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should just you know, call her back as you're peeing. Perhaps. I, I, What's that noise? Um... <laughs> Uh, must be the signal. Yeah, <laughs> flush noise. <laughs> All right, man. Let's. Uh, I think that's. I think we have a good idea for next time, and we'll go from right. there. And uh, what I'll do is I'll I'll leave this unlisted. I'll give you a chance to take a peek at it if you're satisfied. I mean, are you going to rewatch two hours? I don't know, but <laughs> I'm gonna listen to it in the background. It's always um, giving it like a couple days, or maybe probably not a couple. Maybe I'll listen to it tomorrow while I'm working. Okay, I'll, I'll, but I'm going to put it up tonight, I think. And then if you're cool with it, I'll pull the trigger and we'll just let it go live. I, I have no intention on editing these. They're too painstaking and it's two hours long. So, right. you know, we haven't said anything outrageous. I don't think that we need to edit anything out. I can't think of anything. I can't so, think of anything. All right, man. All right. All sounds right, brother. Thanks for taking the time. Let's sort out the next one. All right, sounds good. See you, buddy. See yeah. ya.